Hello, this is Danny Mazer, and welcome to the Soul Stories Podcast, an extension of Soul Stories, where we host conversations for healing and change. Normally on this podcast, you'd hear different interviews where guests go in-depth with their stories and talk about the different issues and topics that their stories intersect with. We're currently in between seasons of the normal podcast, and in the meantime, we're going to bring you occasional episodes from our Patreon conversations with Chelsea and I, where we talk about different topics that are meaningful to us. And if you would like to hear these conversations on a weekly basis, you can sign up for our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. This week, we talk about self-knowledge, pursuing it, the complexities, the nuances. It's a really fun conversation as always, and I think you will enjoy it. Here is our episode. Hello, out there in the world. Out in the patron sphere, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Welcome. I'm Chelsea. I'm Danny. You probably already knew that. <laughs> we're here with another conversation. This time, this week, we're talking about knowing yourself. What did we read? Well, what did you read and what did I kind of read? Uh, Danny didn't do his homework. <laughs> well, he kind of read it. I kind of um, read it. And you chose it, which is, it's from School of Thought, Right? School of Life. School of Life. And it's uh, the article is called Self-Knowledge, Know Thyself. Know Yourself. I think no- self-knowledge is the category of articles. Oh, cool. And I think the article is called Know Yourself. So would you recommend School of Thought? School of Life. School of Life. Damn it, I did it again. That's <laughs> <laughs> my memory of a goldfish. <laughs> uh, but would you recommend that School of Life to other people? And can you say what it is? Yeah, School of Life is like a philosophy YouTube channel slash organization that sells merchandise slash gives like self-help tips and workbooks and activities. Um, and I'm sure they do events and all sorts of things, but that's I know them primarily from their YouTube channel. I would say that this article had a little bit of, it was like, a philosophical, like, um, in an academic sense, kind of a bend to it, but applied to modern day life. Yeah, that that's kind of their style. Uh-huh. And what's really funny about this guy, I'm sure some people know his name out there. He's a pretty famous British dude, is that he often is like, all, like really cynical and then like says like something super cynical and then finishes it with, but that's okay. <laughs> life is empty and meaningless but that's okay <laughs> you're insane crazy and a horrible person but that's okay he told me that in this article too yeah he loves saying that he was like people all people are crazy <laughs> yeah. i was like all right let's start there and he usually defines love as people who can handle each other's insanity yeah that's is, exactly what he said is his main way of looking at it, which i don't disagree with Totally. I mean, I think there's definitely something to that. He also, (laughs) the cutest part was when he was like, you might admire famous people, you know, famous people like Michelangelo, Socrates, or Lady Gaga. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, is Lady Gaga the one modern famous person you can name? (laughs) He like heard a pop song like one time. Yeah. (laughs) After he lifted his head up out of some book. Yeah. (laughs) I thought it was really funny. I was like, okay, I see you. <laughs> but overall, I do think it was it was a good article to chew on. It did help me to reflect it. And the first thing it really dives into is why is it important to know yourself? 
Yeah. What did you come out? What did you, what, what stuck out to you? I guess. I think it actually made a really solid case for like the study of philosophy. Uh, and it, I would make a similar argument for going to therapy, you know, which is another way of knowing yourself, which is like, okay, so in your relationships, with anyone that you live with, with anyone that you're close with, like if you don't know yourself, you don't know your own pitfalls. And then you cannot articulate to people what your pitfalls are. And one of the really profound things that they said was that we don't need perfect people. We pe- we need people who essentially know what their problem is. Interesting. Yeah, that makes me think of... Like if you're entering into a relationship or a friendship or even, you know, we have that rare case of like working together and being best friends Mm -hmm. and to work together, we have to know what triggers us, what makes us feel anxious, what makes us feel frustrated, how to give each other feedback, how to be honest with each other. Um, And I feel like if you don't know those parts of yourself, you can for no fault of your own, um, surround yourself with the wrong people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and that was part of it too, is that like, if you, if you don't know what you're looking for in other people, then you are more likely to just be attracted to familiarity. Yeah. And there's even like a compulsion towards familiarity. Yeah, talk about that concept. I think it's really, I think that defines a lot of our lives, really. Yeah, well, so it's interesting because you think that you are going for what you want in life, but what you're actually usually going for is what is familiar to you. And that's why we end up like dating people that are like our parents and having the same kind of relationship problems over and over and stuff like that. And we have a type that we always end up with. Yeah. We get drawn towards something that becomes familiar, familiar and it's not really about what we like. It's about what we're familiar with. And it's even like there's this Disney song, I Know You, I Walked With You Once Upon a Dream. Like an instant, when you meet someone, you instantly feel like they're familiar to you. That is like, I've had that experience. I had that experience with Bryce and it was like, I felt really attracted to him. Yeah. Because there was something familiar. There's something interesting because, you know, being like dating Ocean, I feel like there are aspects of our relationship that I can find in previous relationships as well. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely have not fully escaped familiarity. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's like, instead of that being the dominant thing of dating somebody that I'm familiar with, like my mom, sisters, dad, the people I grew up with, the way I was loved as a kid and nurtured, mm-hmm. um, I actually am, di- there's like part of this relationship that's uncomfortable that I'm diving into that I'm not familiar with that feels like safe and reliable in ways that I haven't felt before. And like, I'm even scared of the intimacy in some ways because it is unfamiliar and it's hard How for exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one word for it. <laughs> well, I mean like a love, unlike anything you've experienced before that, like that sounds like it could be really transformational. And I would also argue that like even the, the draw towards familiarity isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. Because I think it's kind of the universe's way of like, making sure that you heal that yeah you know and like and i I would work through it exactly and i would imagine that you probably 
are dating someone who has less of a strong sense of familiarity because you've worked through a lot of that stuff and it doesn't trigger you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. My old therapist used to tell me that, um, that kind of love, that familiar love, people can walk in a room and spot each other a mile away. Oh um, yeah. And they can, the, they're like wounds are so similar and they're drawn to each other. Totally. Totally. I mean, yeah. And, and then when you get free of that, it's such a good feeling. Like, I recently had an encounter with my mom and I haven't seen her in years. And normally when I have, when I interact with her, I get really emotionally caught up in her story. Uh, it, it, I'm just beside myself for days afterwards. But this time I just felt like so much less of a stickiness with it. Mm. Like it just didn't like affect me in the same way you know it didn't pull on my heartstrings as much because I think that I've kind of I don't know I've kind of like moved through that you know yeah and I'm there's plenty of other things that trigger me in the world but like in that specific thing I feel like I've like worked through it it's a really good feeling to feel free of it do you have examples of things that you were attracted to that you no longer are or I guess my question is how have your like things that you want and like shifted as you've gotten to know yourself on a deeper level? Great question. Is this romantically? Yes. Great question. Yes. Um, A plus. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Um, It's like your maximum, like ultimate goal. (laughs) It's like be the good question person. (laughs) Um, not romantically, actually. I want to know, cause we talked a little romantically so far. I want to know like other categories of life. Okay, so let's think like maybe career. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so when I was young, um, when I was like in my early 20s, uh, my career was largely, actually like, let's say like late teens, like very early 20s. I was like a barista, you know, I was an activities coordinator at a resort. My job was based around like being the sunshine kid, mm-hmm. you know, and being the person that people found charming and nice. And I felt like that was like a big part of my training. I grew up dancing. I was told like always by my family members, it was really like re- reiterated that like, I've got a great smile. I'm very charming. I That's the tool that I should move forward with in life. Uh-huh. Um, and I imagine you played that role with your siblings and with your mom and dad as well yes yes with my aunts and uncles like my whole extended family I was like the smiley one and um it was very hard for me to be able to express like discontent um and now that I feel more integrated like I actually feel like I kind of pendulum swung and like in my late twenties did a lot of like kind of like darker art performances, you know, like I walked on glass with duct tape on the bottom of my feet in a soul stories performance. Once I, uh, did a performance in front of the city council about sexual assault, in which I ended in my underwear. Um, (laughs) I did a lot of like really like graphic, like hardcore kind of like expressing that darkness. Yeah. Um, and that felt really like healthy at the time, you know, like it was coming out. And what do you think shifted for you 
to because you know in some way there's still the familiarity of the performer in the sunshine kid and doing dark performances but it does sound like there was like a, a dramatic shift in like the way you could express yourself as you like were able to integrate and go through therapy and do your healing work yeah yeah and and like just through more and more performing i feel like um as you become a better performer, you have to do your own self-work because being a good performer means being versatile and getting out of being stuck in one narrative or one identity or another. Mm-hmm. And that's like the the joy of performance art is that you get to try on all of these different perspectives and stuff. So I think doing improv and um, the yes and attitude of improv really helped me to to say yes to different parts of myself mm. um, and to know that there's not like a good self and a bad self or a right way to be or anything like that. But it's like whatever is coming out like that, that is welcome to exist as part of me. So the shift is like going from having to be this role of making people around you happy and smile to allowing more expressions of like, the dark emotions, the positive emotions, being like a fuller person that can express things and be mm-hmm. comfortable, even if it makes other people feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And I feel like it went from being like, have to be happy all the time to like a purging of like darkness for mm. like a couple of years. Yeah. And now it feels like I can more freely move in between those as needed. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like self-knowledge is just a, is constant liberation to, in my, in my experience. Yes. But you know, you gotta also like, like I did an Enneagram workshop this past weekend. Yeah. And, um, if you're not familiar with Enneagram, it's one of those personality tests like Myers-Briggs. And it's also very similar to the way people talk about astrology, uh, where you can be like, oh, well, you're just such a Leo. There you go being a Leo. (laughs) And I think that we have to be really careful of compartmentalizing ourselves and each other. Yes. Like I want to have the freedom to be able to know my tendencies, but also know that I'm capable of moving beyond that tendency. Yeah, it's. I really think self-knowledge is at like is in constant war with society, at least right now. This is how I see it. You know, to be successful on social media, you have to have a brand. You have to be consistent. You have to not surprise people. You have to say the same thing in new ways over and over and over again. And where that is somewhat related to the self, the self is often full of contradictions. It's full of like, you know, sometimes what you're good at, you're actually equally bad at as well. Um, you mm-hmm. know, for example, if mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense, like vulnerability is something I feel very skilled at. Like I can express vulnerability in large groups and uncomfortable situations with strangers and I can be extremely closed off. I can be like narrow minded. I can be, um, myopic and how I see things like all within the same hour, you know? Totally. Yeah. And that can often be like the driving force that like, for in this case, like a lack of vulner- feeling vulnerable can make you hungry for, for vulnerability. Right. You know? And then, you know, if you express 
if you if you're if I'm going out on into the world and I'm being vulnerable Danny when I'm at like my best self at like in a party or with friends and then you know at home I'm like playing video games for two hours and I'm hyper focused on a goal or I you know you and Bryce are in the room and I don't even notice because I'm so focused on something yeah if somebody from those parties were to be like see that they'd be like wait who's who's that yeah you know and it makes us uncomfortable to see things that don't align with how we judge others yes and i want to see more movie characters like that yeah that's a great point um it reminds me of that walt whitman quote do i contradict myself then i contradict myself i am large i contain multitudes Mm, that was good yeah nice i think it's i'm vast um but yeah i think that's why it's also so hard to pursue that path because it's not it's like rewarded when you get there, but it's not outwardly rewarded from people around you all the time. Because it, I think it, I think personally, I think people understand you better if you are more two dimensional as a person, if that makes sense. I'm also open to, to debate on this. Yeah. I think I'm going to debate you on this. Yeah. Go for it. Cause I mean, I kind of feel like, in a way, it gives people what they want, like giving kids junk food all the time. Uh-huh. Like, it's, I don't think it's good for people to see others in a two-dimensional way and to treat others in a two-dimensional way. No, I don't think it's good at all. Yeah. But I do think, I do see what you're saying, that like society sometimes moves towards that. Yeah, they'd prefer it. I guess it probably is that thing of like, people want to understand they don't want to not understand yeah it, yeah that's <laughs> that <a> understanding <laughs> is very scary for the people <laughs> yeah that's a great way to put it yeah and so they want to be able to label things and like be like this is who you are um but yeah i think that the sad thing about that is that people will also become bored of you if you are a two-dimensional character uh-huh totally. and they will like limit you in a way that can feel really oppressive as well. Yeah. You know, another example of self-knowledge is I've been going to therapy. I think I said this on a previous one, but um, I'm experiencing shock during therapy for the first time. Uh huh. And I didn't know I could go into a state of shock. I've never had that before. Um, And we're, you know, processing some of my trauma from when I was a kid and as I get to it, I start to detach and I start to go into like a dreamlike state and to get through it takes so much gentleness combined with willpower, um, combined with my therapist, Gabe, being really skilled at guiding me through it that I'm like, man, this feels like the sword in the stone to, mm. to even to process these emotions like I can imagine why there's so many people who aren't processing these emotions that are so deeply buried inside us and getting to know these deep, unconscious, brutal parts of ourselves because we're great at protecting ourselves from it. Like I'm great at protecting myself from what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's, it's self-knowledge is not going to just happen naturally. Right. Like you have to walk in that direction and it is not comfortable (laughs) no um yeah but 
you know, in the article, they really like unpack a lot of the benefits of becoming more self-aware and like the more I think about it, I'm like, man, like lack of self-awareness is just one of those axioms of like so many problems in people's lives. Yeah. Like communication, knowing what you want, making important life decisions. Like what are you going to do for your career? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it's so easy to get caught up in like, even like fashion was brought up. Yeah, I saw that. That was interesting. Yeah. Like even as uh, things as simple as fashion is like so easy to just like go with the flow of what society tells you you should like. Mm -hmm. And then like one season later, you can see that something's out of style. You feel that pressure to like buy a new thing. And that like that whole mode of self-expression can be completely lost if you if you really don't know who you are and what you like. What what benefits have you seen in your own life? Um, I'm not like a super self aware person, but I guess I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm self aware enough to know when I'm not being self aware, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> like I, I guess I'm. What I'm saying is I'm not entirely. I don't feel like I can speak expertly on self awareness. I'm too humble for that. But I like I have noticed lately that I last week I was very overworked and tired. And twice somebody said something and I just like did not process what they said. And it was like, they were both like in a loud space, but I at least had the wherewithal to be aware of that and to be like, Oh, this is a a sign to me that I really need to take it easy and I really need to rest. Mm. And like, I'm I'm tuning out as a response to like all of this, like overstimulation in my life. Which is something that you wouldn't have done before. Yeah. I honestly think that COVID has really helped me with that. Yeah. The slowdown of COVID. Because you had a lot of time to just like self-reflect. Yeah. And like, I guess I've become more sensitive in some ways. Interesting. You know, more um, wanting to rest when I'm tired. More aware of what's happening with my body and my energy. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, less of an ability to like just ignore it and plow through my life. Yeah, you are a spark plug of joy and productivity and a bulldozer at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, but I also just want to point out the general r- enrichment and the joy of knowing yourself and um like i i do think that like making it a practice to have self-inquiry is like so just satisfying for its own intrinsic sake yeah you know i was thinking um i've been doing a lot of work in this area for myself for a long time and i feel like something that used to drive me was this unconscious need to be really successful and to be um, larger than life and validate all of my emptiness that I felt for a long time. And as I've moved past that, I've had, I'm having this really nice experience. Like this weekend, I took a lot of time to um, take walks, engage in art I liked 
really take care of myself, um, play video games for like an hour or something and then take breaks and then see friends and have phone conversations. And in the back of my head, I would have been like tortured by like, but I'm not doing enough or I didn't get this done or I wasn't like this. Um, and as I've like let realized that that was something that was nurtured to me, that wasn't my own. And I was able to, I'm able to understand it and let it go and like work with those emotions. Now I can really enjoy the fruits of things I really care about. Oh, that's fantastic. Time with people. Um, yeah, it, it just makes life lighter. Yeah. You know? Well, and like, it, I think that it's kind of like a cool feedback loop because I think that like becoming more self-aware when you're in crunch mode or whatever makes you feel and understand the importance of like relaxing and giving yourself space to express yourself and following your flow. And then the more you do that, I think that you perform better as far as self-awareness when you are in crunch mode. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing more or getting more done than I've ever been done before and working a lot less hours at it. Oh, that's great. If that makes sense. Yeah. Cause totally. before when you're so obsessed with your own delusion of how to live your life, like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but you can be productive, but really you're just stuck in like anxious ideas of like what you're supposed to be doing at the time. Oh, totally. Like when I was an undergrad, I would like go to a coffee shop until 3 a.m. doing homework, but I probably, out of the four hours I was there, I only worked one. Right, exactly. Because what else was I doing? I don't know. I was stressing out about the concept of working. Right, yeah. You know, or like zoning out because I was so tired. Right. You're like detached from the process almost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that a big part of like the secret to that productivity is the ability to watch your own thoughts. Yeah. And... Um, they talk in this article a little bit about like watching your thoughts and not just thinking about like, well, how do I feel about it? How do I feel about it? But what are the, what is my feeling causing in my life? Yeah. You know that, that other book, um, Body Keeps the Score said that same thing that when we ask the question, how do I feel about this? We're getting stuck in old loops of neuroses and when we're paying attention to our actions or mm -hmm. we're paying attention to like how our body feels like that's where self-awareness comes from. Yeah. And if we're just always asking ourselves, how, how do we feel about this? We can get lost in old, old stories. Yeah, totally. Totally. I think that's, that's actually a really good, like specific reminder for me because like I'm, Today, I was, like, very angry about something, and I kept wanting to, like, explain it to myself. Like, I was really trying to, like, put words to it because I was, like, I like I was having a hard time understanding why I was so angry, and I wanted to explain it. Interesting. But I think it could be a really good practice for me to watch it, just watch it moving through my body, watch that energy and, like, what is it, give it a color, you know, just, like, give it attention. And what and is it see telling what it's you telling me. Yeah. versus what are you telling it? Yeah. Yeah. That I think would be very helpful. Was there more from that article that specifically talked about that concept about watching 
watching the impact versus asking yourself how you feel. Yeah. Well, I think that it was, um, it, it, part of it was really talking about putting yourself in the context. And that's why it's important to know yourself. Like, so if I know about myself that I am chronically late, or if I know about myself that, you know, I am a klutz or whatever, then when a situation arises, I can put myself, my, my context in the story and it makes it feel like it, it can just like make more sense. And it gives me permission to forgive myself because it's like, yes, I know this about myself. I know that I do that sometimes. And like, I acknowledge it and I forgive it, you know? Yeah. And that is a whole nother skill is just being gentle. Yes. And forgiving of yourself when, with your shortcomings. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's something that you like, I think a lot of people learn from parenting, I think. And I've definitely learned from like taking care of kids is that like, I like, I see the way that it's important to treat kids when they make mistakes or when they're like, not even, maybe they're just being intentionally a little assholes, you know, <laughs> but like, I, you know, I see the, the way that actually works to help them. Like obviously being an asshole back does not work. Right. <laughs> um, so it's it's figuring out how to have boundaries, but also being gentle with how you establish boundaries. Yeah, yeah. And that's with yourself. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like we still have to say, you know, being gentle is not saying yes to yourself every time you want something. But it is it is being able to say no and here's why. Yeah, yeah. Not like, no. Right. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. Like, no, you fat piece of shit, you know? Yeah, like the over-disciplining. Right. Yeah. Like the abusive language. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think that um, I think that that's really pervasive because we're, like, constantly walking around parenting ourselves. Uh-huh. And, you know, at least in the sports world where I come from, we worship the, we worship the asshole often. Like, oh, they were so... Or we worship like the asshole artists that was like, like so tortured and mean, but they were great. You know, I mm. don't know. It feels like a, feels like a common societal narrative, but nobody wants to be around that person. Nobody wants to be around <laughs> that person. They just <laughs> want to watch scary. They just want to watch documentaries about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And nobody wants to like, I mean, I think it's also the opposite of that, of the like, Welp, I just like sigh and accept my terrible lot in life and, uh -huh. you know, like, like, I guess I'm just not good at that thing. You know, um, I think that there has to be some balance between the two. Totally. You know, like the, the, um, the discipline and the will to like self-improve and the seeing the possibility of your ability to do things that you didn't used to do is like so important, right? Like seeing that potential. Yeah. And then also being really honest with yourself about who you are and where you're at and like taking the action that needs to happen for change. Yeah. And also I, I find myself as I'm getting like, healthier and healthier and obviously I have a really long way to go but 
I'm sensing that I'm aware of my limitations, but what I I used to have is I was over aware of my limitations and I wouldn't try anything that intersected with my limitations at all. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, Oh, I might not be great at it, but I can do this or I'll like, I'll just like keep doing things. Or if there's someone around me that's better, I won't be like upset that they do the thing. Yeah, it's so much more relaxing. Yeah, like it's such so a much more relaxing way to live. And I do, I still take more, and I take more risks because of it, you totally. know? Totally. It's like there's also that balance of over self awareness, which is my problem, was like hyper self awareness, uh-huh. which can be really limiting in some ways. Yeah. And a bit of an, it can also drive like ego. Like I definitely have a large ego because of hyper self-awareness when you're thinking Mm -hmm. about yourself a lot. Yeah. Well, and the idea of being the best or like, you know, the best person to do the thing or whatever is like often not really like we don't live in such a world of high stakes where every activity and task must be done by the best capable person. (laughs) Yeah. And like I, I was going off about this a while back about how I think my philosophy is that the person who has not yet learned how to build a fire when you go camping should be the person who's building the fire Mm, because they have support around them to help them learn to build the fire. But so often when you go camping with people or when you're at a, you know, beach date bonfire thing, it's like, they'll be like, well, who knows how to build the fire? And someone will be like, I know how to build a fire. (laughs) And then sometimes it gets a little competitive or whatever. Fire building. There's so much ego trips. It's such drama. When you go camping with like a group of five people. Yeah. The fire building always becomes like everyone's, you know. Yeah. It's like the, the dudes being like doodly about it. And the women being like, I can do it too. (laughs) And then everybody's like, It's very funny. Oh, um, Ocean's a Girl Scout, so I understand. She's legit very good at building fires. She's legit. We just went camping. She's very good at camping. She's very good at everything practical in that area. That's awesome. Yeah, and I like to read Lord of the Rings, so we fought, we have our strengths. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else that you said made me think something else. Um, that was a great sentence i know like, what was it <laughs> you were talking about how um basically you you let yourself do things that you're not good at anymore and it made me think about like those inspirational posters <laughs> uh and then that made me think about how you've been on like a rampage against the internet lately and you're all like the the problem with life is the internet <laughs> yeah. and society is on facebook and like that's why we all hate each other uh and Like, I feel like in the 90s, it was like those like success, climb the mountain posters. And now it's memes. Yeah. But either one, the point is that they are an oversimplification of like the answer to life. Uh Uh-huh. And so like, I feel like they're like all of our lives, we've heard these completely unnuanced ideas of like how to be a person. Like the person who like toughs it out and works the hardest, like that's the person you want to be the man in the arena. Yeah. Or like be kind and helpful. That's the person you want to be or, you know, like whatever. And as we speak your truth unrelentingly. Yes. Yeah. Like I had a bumper sticker that said, speak your truth, even if, if your voice shakes <laughs> and like, yeah, it's a great quote, like in certain contexts. Right. When it, when it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And context, context is everything. I remember when I first started working, um, at city year, a few, like 
23, I was like, I'm going to be a leader. And a leader speaks up no yeah. matter what. And now I know those 23-year-olds and I just can't stand them because I was that 23-year-old. Yeah. But I would st- – we did a lot of, like, dialogue things where we have to raise hands and reflect on things. And I was just, like, socially anxious and, like, raising my hand. And I would get called on and be like, and I think uh, this – and I'm uh, like, oh, yes, I did it. And oh, my <laughs> God, how exhausting. And I'm sure everyone around me is like, maybe just relax, dude. Like, you don't have to raise your hand every time. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're not a leader because you raised your hand three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, but, like, when I was in my early 20s, if somebody said, do you want to be a leader in life? I would have immediately said yes without thinking about it because I was like, I would be like, that's the correct answer. That's what you're supposed to want. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So even in the case of this fantastic article of the idea of knowing yourself, let us add the nuance of also maybe be open to not to like the mystery of yourself or like surprise open to surprising yourself. Bob Dylan had a good quote in his documentary. I don't remember the quote, but what I interpreted of what I interpreted as was um, an artist is always becoming. Yes. And once you feel, once an artist feels like they have become, then that's kind of where they lost the battle. Yes. And I think that's the same thing with self knowledge. Ooh, I love that. We're always becoming, and we're always. Also, we're always shifting our environment. So even if you yeah. master yourself in one environment, you, you're you eventually going to become a newcomer in some other environment. Yes. And the skills that you developed in, in world A won't necessarily be as same value in world B. So you have to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. So... Good luck out there. Yeah. <laughs> know yourself. And don't know yourself. And that's all we have for you. <laughs> we love you. Bye. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Soul Stories podcast. It means a lot to us that you take time out of your day to engage with this conversation. If you have feedback for us, uh, email Find us on social media. We'd love to hear your feedback and what you think of it and what topics you'd like for the future and what guests you'd like to hear from um, in future podcast seasons. We hope you have a wonderful day. This is Danny and Chelsea signing off.